So great to be with you. And um, today is our final week of the series we've been doing called But God. And um, But God, for those of you who haven't been with us yet, is just um, this, this space where we get, we get to a place in our lives and we see all of these times in the Bible where if there isn't a big but God moment, um, we're in trouble. So it's like where we, we just can't see a way forward. We, we, can't, we can't see how this thing can come right or what the solution could be. And then in the Bible, there are over 60 times where somebody was facing that. And then it says, but God, and something incredible happened. And... Um, yeah, so there's over 60 times that this happened. Um, there's the world was going to be flooded, but God saved Noah and the animals. Um, Jesus was dead, but God raised him to life. Um, there are just so many of these incredible stories, and we believe as a church that so we will do this series at least once a year because we want to mobilize us to be a family of faith. And um, yeah, so that's what this is all about. Now, um, yesterday, some of us were at a, a, a teaching morning at Florida Road. And um, at the end, I was chatting and catching up with a few people from there, and suddenly, my, um, my six-year-old Sam, we had recently watched um, School of Rock, so he's quite familiar with stage diving. And um, I was just standing there talking, and the next thing, this child launches himself at me, with no warning. And um, I, I managed to catch him, and um, he did it about six more times, but at least now I was prepared. So afterwards, I said, Nick, you should have, uh, Sam, you should have warned me um, because, you know, you could have fallen. He's like, you were too busy talking, so I just, I just knew you'd catch me. And he flew for it. Now, what's beautiful about that is that um, it did make me feel very happy that he trusted me. Um, I, don't, I don't know why he did because I'm... I'm the more careless of the two parents, apparently, but um, he did, and it, it, it did something in my heart to know that this kid knew that even through my distraction and my talking, that I would save him, and um, really what the faith journey about is, what we get together as a community of faith to do is to grow in our faith, and growing in faith really means learning increasingly to trust God, and when we learn to trust God, he loves it, and we love him more. Um, so, there's this one verse that I just want to start with from Romans 12, verse 3. Um, just bearing in mind that this really is, we, we are here as a community of people to grow in our faith. That's what this is all about. And in Romans 12, 3, it says this. <clears throat> Don't think that you, I'm just skipping the first uh, line. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So, he's given us this faith. And um, we ought not to be kind of uh, high and mighty and thinking incredibly well of ourselves, but rather to look at how we live in faith and how we respond to God in faith. And that's what he values so highly. So there's this journey where we mature, and sometimes we're blessed to have a but God miraculous one-second breakthrough moment, which we pray and it happens, and that's amazing. And then sometimes we wait 10, 20, 30 years for a but God breakthrough moment. Um, some of us are still waiting. And um, I, just, I just want to take a moment to celebrate that today there's a baby shower happening um, for somebody in our community we love very much who waited, she, uh, Mel and Marisa, waited many years um, and through many trying times and prayers and tears. And today there's a baby shower because there was a but God moment and Mel is having a baby soon. So let's give a big <laughs> yay for that. Um, and so... Um, we, we as a community need one another. There's some of us who are, are more mature in the faith and some of us are new in the faith. And those who are mature in the faith need to help the people who are young in the faith to endure in faith. When, when we don't get that 
quick, but God, yes, answer to prayer moment. It's the more mature believers who can help the younger, less mature to, to endure. And we need the young believers because they help keep all of us who are a little bit older and jaded to have our expectations high and to have our passion high about what God can do. Um, so... This is really all about us growing in trust for God. And um, any half-decent youth camp would have done this um, activity of trust. You know where um, the person stands and then they are encouraged to fall back and fall into the arms of the people around them. Um, just, it's quite important for this message. So if you haven't seen this trust exercise, just take a look at the screen. Fall, and we're just, it'll be an exercise in building trust uh, between one another. So, Harrison, if you don't mind going first, uh, step up here on this chair and close your eyes. All right, and then everybody fill in, and we're going to ask you to fall, and then they will catch you. So, you have to trust us. I'm going to count to three, just relax and fall, okay? One, two, three. No, wait! It's one of those videos you wish they didn't end so fast. I would love to have seen the carnage after that. But anyway, um, this activity is meant to inspire trust in one another and then kind of to go, oh, if we can trust each other that much as a bunch of messed up crazy people, how much more can we trust our ever-loving God? You know, that clearly did not build trust in that little group of people. Um, but it's mostly because there wasn't good and proper instruction given, you know. Um, and the Bible does give us incredible instruction. And God wants to give us instruction through his word, through our own revelation, through conversations with believers. Um, and what I would want to say to you today is that so much of us encountering a but God moment hinges on prayer. Prayer is such a hinge point for us having but God moments. Our whole relationship with God begins with a prayer, and whether it's a prayer that you've prayed of repentance, where you've actually gone, Jesus, just come in and be the Lord of my life, I repent, or whether it's just a, I'm not really sure, but I just know you're there, or something, whatever that prayer is, it's a prayer, and it indicates that there's a conversation between you and God, and that there's an understanding from you that God does indeed exist. So I'm sure you've all prayed, right? So... I'm sure at some point all of you have prayed. Why do we pray? How much does prayer affect the outcome of any situation? Won't God do it regardless? And if we don't pray, will God change? Will, will God's will change? And then how much prayer is actually needed to change a situation? Have you ever asked these kind of questions? I'm sure you have. Hands up if you've done the God give me the closest parking spot prayer. Come on, be honest. I know there's more of you. Can't lie in the house of God. Come on. Um, how many of you prayed, have prayed for healing? So you've prayed for healing. How about for millions in your bank account? Thanks, Nat. Some honesty at the back. How about for a new boss or a new job? Shame. Some of you don't want to put your hands up because maybe your boss is here. Um, Candy, please don't put your hand up. Um, <laughs> to change the country. Uh, we all pray. We, we have these moments, whether it's just a desperate crisis moment or whether it's an ongoing conversation that we have with God. But that is prayer. It's a conversation. Now, a few years back, I prayed a very bold, cheeky, outrageous prayer. And I know that I've shared the story, but for the sake of today's message, I feel it's so important to share again. So Shell and I prayed. We'd pray, sit together and pray every morning. And 
um, we had just bought a house. You know, the advice always is to buy the, the best house you can in the, uh, the worst house you can in the best area. And we tried to do that. One of the worst houses in one of the best areas. And as a result, we had this property with no wall, a corner property. There were little like stumps of picket fence and some bush and stuff. And we weren't really concerned about keeping people out, more about keeping our children and dogs in the property. And so we felt we really needed a wall. And we'd had quotes done. We only understood that there was, we only really thought of one type of wall you can do. And a corner property, it was very big and expensive. We needed a new driveway to go with a new wall. And um, it came into the region of 150,000. So this morning, I very boldly and confidently just say, God, please would you give us 150,000 rand because we need a wall. And Sheldon looks at me like I'm a complete brat and just says, you can't pray like that. And I said, well, I can because he gave us this house and he knows what we need. So I can. A couple of minutes later, my mom calls me and says, please come over after school. I've got some news for you. I was a teacher. I wasn't married while I was at school. I was a teacher. Um, and come over after school. I've got some news for you. And I'm like, well, tell me now. She's no, no, I have to see your face when I tell you. And um, as it happened, but God, <laughs> there had been this incredible uncle Les who'd, been, uh, who'd lived in Canada. I'd never met him, my mum's uncle. And this man had just been the most generous person and he wanted to leave a legacy of generosity to his family. And so for all of his nieces and nephews, great nieces and nephews, he'd left an amount of money, which my mum had received news of that very morning. And um, the amount that he had left, this is, look, guys, on the same day I prayed this bold, bratty prayer was 17,500 Canadian dollars. At that point, the exchange rate was 8.5. It worked out to just under 150,000 rand. Isn't that incredible? Now, what does that tell us about the theology around this miraculous story? Simply that I am God's favorite. Um, I'm not really, we're all his favorite. Um, But it was just, you know, I think that in those moments, God builds our faith. And um, God has required some pretty intense faith moments from Sheldon and I. And, you know, when you can go back to a moment like that and go, oh, but God, it is so easy for you to do. It's it's awesome. Now, um, here's what we do know about prayer is that um, everyone in the Bible who was used by God prayed. Jesus, the Son of God himself, prayed. He prayed the night before he picked his disciples for guidance, for wisdom. He prayed um, when his cousin, John the Baptist, was executed. He prayed sometimes all night. Peter, Paul, and John, these guys prayed regularly and fervently. Um, It was a normal part of their lives. And what role should prayer play in our lives? Are there some but God moments that are available to us if we pray? And what kind of prayer would that require? So, we're going to go through a few points about prayer. Um, first of all, of all, a verse to tell us how not to pray. Matthew 6, 7 says, When you pray, do not babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask Him. Now, two interesting things to pull out of this. The first is that we don't have to go on and on and repeat and repeat and babble and babble. Um, it's, it's as if we're saying... Well, maybe if we prayed for it 19 times, God would say no, but the 20th time he'll say yes. That just would be a little bit cruel of him. Um, And then the second part that I want to just draw out of that, which we'll actually only answer later, is why would we pray to God if it says here that he knows exactly what we need before we even ask him? Then what would the point of praying even be? We'll get to that later. So how not to pray? Don't go on and on and babble and babble and repeat yourself and think that there's a magic formula about how to pray. Next thing is, how do we pray? How to pray? And James 5.16 says this, 
The earnest prayers of a righteous person have great power and produce wonderful fruits, wonderful results. Who in this room would like their prayers to be powerful and to render much fruit? I don't believe there's one of us here who wouldn't want that. All of us want our prayers to carry power, for us to see that power in the world in the form of fruit. So what does it say we need to do to get this? The first is that we need to pray earnestly. Now, earnestly means that we show sincere and intense conviction. Okay, it's not that kind of like wishy-washy, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. It's, it's like we believe. We believe that this can happen. It's sincere and intense. It's active. It's effectual. Um, we, we're really coming at it with great guns and believing for it. It might only initially be that we're able to pray earnestly when there's a crisis or a life and death, situa death situation. But I know this, each and every one of us is capable of praying earnestly. Okay, so that's the first part of it, okay, because there were two parts. It's praying earnestly and being righteous, and then we will get power and fruit. I think it's easy that we know each and every one of us could pray earnestly. But what about the righteous bit? because I think this is the part where people could struggle. And I've had people phone me before and say, please, would you pray for this? Because for some reason, they think I'm all righteous. I'm not. My family's here, and um, I can tell you right now, I understand why there's that verse that says, a prophet is not recognized in his own hometown. Because um, <laughs> I think half the time, they, they, they look at me and they're like, she's half balmy. How, you know, how, how is this even possible? But... Um, I know that there are moments in my life and maybe moments where some of you have phoned somebody because you've had some kind of a belief that somebody might be more righteous and therefore that their prayers might be more effective. Well, the scripture says that it is, but I want to speak to the righteousness for a moment. In Romans 3, 21 to 22, it says this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law of the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Okay, so what this scripture is telling us is that the righteousness of God has been taken apart from the law. It's, it's now set apart from the law. We don't have to fulfill all these things in order to be righteous. If you have simply asked Jesus Christ into your life, you are righteous. When God looks at you, he sees you as right. Now, I know that this is a stumbling block for some people because they look at Christian lives and they go like, that's just not even cool because that person behaves like an absolute cretin. How can it be that they're righteous? We're talking about how God sees you. He looks at us and in his grace, he sees the person of Christ in us. There is a journey of working this out in how we live with our brothers and sisters. And that is a journey, okay? It is, it is meant to be a journey where we become so blown away by the fact that God sees us as righteous that we live differently, Okay, so when you look at a person, a Christian, a believer, and you know that they have this right standing with God, and yet you aren't seeing that completely in your relationship with them, please understand that the fact remains that Jesus took all of our sins on the cross, that when we have that moment of surrender and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life, when God looks at us, he sees the perfect law fulfilled of, of Christ in us, and therefore we are righteous. Okay, there is a journey this way, but this is complete and perfect and whole. So you guys, every person in this room who have accepted Jesus and believe in Jesus as their savior, in the resurrection power of what he did on the cross and, and what he did in coming back to life, if you believe that, if you have made that your standing point, you are righteous. So now we have 
the fact that you can be earnest in your prayer, you can have conviction in prayer, and you are righteous if you believe in the person of Christ, if you have invited him into your life. So then all is left is to pray earnestly. How do we get there? How do we get to the place of desiring to pray earnestly? So we know it isn't saying the same thing over and over and over again, because if you really think about that, if, if it needed to be that begging, then it would kind of show us that God is like sitting there with clenched fists around this thing that we need, and that's just not who he is. He's a good father. The crux here is that the way we pray, our attitude to prayer actually reveals what we think and what we feel about God. And that's what this is all about. The way that we pray reveals what we think and believe and feel about God. In Hebrews 11:6, it says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So it's impossible to please him without faith. Our prayer life must be full of faith. We need to know that God exists. And I believe if you're sitting here today, you know that God exists. We need to believe because it says in the scriptures that he will give good things to those that ask. And that when we ask, we will receive. Now, I know that as I say that, some of you are sitting here going, yo, but I've asked and I've not received. Um, and the reality is that God does answer us. He always answers our prayers, but not always the way we want him to. Um, I had a good laugh at one of the Alpha clips where Nikki Gumbel says, if God had answered all the prayers I'd prayed, I would have married the wrong woman, maybe many times. Okay, because God actually knows what's best. And so we pray with our limited understanding and, and knowledge of a situation and think that we know what's best, but we just simply don't. He loves us and he has a good plan for us. So when we learn how to pray like this, when we learn how to pray and, and really enter into relationship with God through prayer, it says that he will reward us. Now, if we only ever go to God because we want answers or help or for a crisis prayer, then I want to propose to you today that the relationship is weak, okay, because it's become a little bit transactional then. Now, I'm not saying that it's all bad, but what we're trying to do today is to inspire all of us to have a far more earnest prayer life. So let's unpack this relationship a little thing, a little bit more. If Sheldon does X, Y, and Z for me, and I do X, Y, and Z for him, and then he wants to do X, but I feel like he didn't do Y, what we have going on in a relationship is a scoreboard situation where I'm going, well, I did this, so you should do that, and you did that, so I should be that. And that just isn't the basis for a good, loving, and connected relationship. It becomes a work and payment thing, and that's a dead work thing. It becomes all about, I'll do this if you do that, and if you do that, I'll do this. We do things for one another because we are lovingly serving one another. It's because we are cultivating a relationship of love, of connection, of team. So you can see how the same outward action can have a radically different inward mo um, motivation. Okay, I can be doing all these wonderful things for Sheldon and he can be doing wonderful things for me. But if it's simply to get something, then the inward motivation is wrong. If I'm doing it because I love him and I want to build strength and connection with him, my inward motivation is different. And that's what prayer needs to, be, to have an understanding of. 
We need to have an appetite for prayer. When I say, um, when I'm hungry, I will eat. When I'm thirsty, I will drink. If I want to spend time with God, I will pray. And so this needs to be an appetite. And at the end of the service today, I'm going to pray for all of us to have an appetite to spend time with God, to actually want to go and pray. Um, In this church, we have four values, which are critical and core to everything we do. And the first, if you can look at the back, you should have these imprinted or tattooed or something. We think they're beautiful. Enjoy God. Love people. Release potential and impact community. And this prayer thing is really so in line with the enjoying God. Because if we did nothing else in this world but enjoy God, that would be enough. But we know that there's so much more. And so prayer needs to be an enjoying God thing. I can't keep doing things for Sheldon and him doing things for me just because we need to have a scoreboard. It's because we want to enjoy our relationship. We want to enjoy life. We want to enjoy what we're building together. Now, sometimes prayer doesn't quite cut it. That sounds scary. Sometimes we need something that I would call prayer on steroids, where we need to add a layer to our earnest praying, and we actually call this fasting. Now, hands up if you fasted on Thursday. I don't mind if you didn't. I just want to, just so we can see who fasted. Okay. Are you still hungry, or have you recovered? All okay. Um, Fasting is the practice of voluntarily going without food or water for a period of time to really dig into a season of prayer. It's a practice like prayer, and it shows our devotion to draw nearer to God. Okay, so when we fast, again, it's not a transactional, if I fast, you're going to make me land that job, or if I fast, then my marriage is going to come right. It can't be about that. It's about an added layer, an added earnestness to go, God, when I'm feeling weak, I'm going to find my strength in you. When I am ready to bite the person next to me because I'm so hungry, I'm going to draw my strength from you. I'm going to lean on you. I'm not going to be self-sufficient. I'm going to find my strength in you, God. So like I said, some of us fasted on Thursday. People got you hangry, hangry, which is a mixture of angry and hungry. Um, I did feel a need to protect the children with some of the hungry eyes. I thought there might be little nibbles happening here and there. But um, it was, it was, I found it a much harder day of fasting than I have others. Some days I find it easy to fast, and this Thursday was really tough. And um, I was feeling quite sorry for myself halfway through Thursday. But um, what happens when you, you're in that space is that you just, you, you are so much more aware of God and His ability to meet you in your moment of need. Now, yesterday, um, one of the guys who taught at this day at Florida Road just merrily shared how he had fasted for 21 days. 21 days, because he was so desperate to see kingdom break out in his church. And then he kind of jokes and sadistically says that now it's a matter of practice in his church, which has got 47 sites around the world, that they fast every January, the congregations all around fast for 21 days. You guys are lucky. One day a month is what we feel called to do in this community for now. But 21 days, these guys fast. They don't eat, and they cry out to God to give them strength. And they prove to themselves that it's not about what they can do. It's all about God's strength in them. Last night, um, Sheldon and I prayed about what what does this community need to hear about prayer? What do you guys need to know about what God wants to say about prayer? And the word that he gave us as we prayed was that he wants us to be a bunch of warriors. And I love that picture because I know it's a word that's used a lot now, but if you really think about a warrior, there's a level of earnestness. Warriors are 
on the offensive and not the defensive. They're not waiting for things to come and like almost kill them. They're running out there at the enemy. They're running out there at the problem. They're going out on the offense. Warriors have faith for the win. And warriors in the kingdom have a joy about being able to bring their dad and the king of the world into this journey with them. So yesterday, our last speaker spoke on prayer, and quite honestly, if I could have, I just would have had him to come and share with us today, but that wasn't possible. But his passion and revelation for prayer were utterly inspiring. I listened in awe, and um, I want to tell you, I pray a lot. I, I pray little snippets all through the day. I think sometimes Candy doesn't know if we're actually talking or praying, because we'll be talking, and then suddenly... We're in a prayer moment, but um, I really do connect with God a lot during the day, and yet when I heard this man speak, I was like, wow, my prayer life could just go to a whole new level, and it wasn't a, a guilt thing, it wasn't a I should thing, it was just such inspiration. He shared a scripture from Psalm 84 verse 5, and it says, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Now, as we pray, and sometimes as we fast, we are strengthened by God. So it's not a self-strengthening. It's not all the usual mechanisms we use in the world to get strong. It's simply a God-strengthening. And as we pray more and more and more, what this verse is saying is that we get to build from our hearts a highway to Zion. And Zion is this place where, um, where it's a stronghold of God. Okay, so sometimes, you know, our little elastic prayers, as he calls them, as we, as we pray, God, give me a parking, or God, do this, or give me a solution, or this or that, those prayers are great, because they indicate that we're still in an ongoing conversation with God. But he's saying that as we really just, like, buckle down and pray and, and strengthen ourselves in prayer and disciplines and spiritual disciplines, that we build a highway that can access this place of Zion, this stronghold that God wants to bring into the world, into our lives and into the world around us. And I find that completely inspiring. Another thing um, that I just want to talk about is the fact that a lot of what we think about when we pray, unfortunately, is about our prayers and what we need. And uh, we, we typically go to God praying for what we need and for what we need for a day and for what we need maybe for our family. But... Um, very often, our prayers are marked by where we're at, and they're kind of in response to what's coming at us. Now, I just want to highlight the fact that when we pray for others, I almost feel like there's disproportionate things that happen when we pray for others. Um, I, I just love the story of a guy called Dave Shaw, friends with Vazi, who I really wanted to pray in tongues, and um, he was annoyed that he couldn't have this gift of tongues. And so uh, one day he was at a prayer meeting, and somebody said, hey Dave, come, come pray for this guy, he wants to pray in tongues. And Dave went up kind of muttering and moaning, and he was upset, because he's like, I must pray for this guy to have this gift of tongues, and I don't have the gift of tongues. And as he prayed for this guy, he started speaking in a tongue from God. And um, I just think that's an incredible thing that so often we, we lack faith for ourselves in an area, but we can stand up and be stro so strong to pray for somebody else for that very thing. And we just see heaven come through us and that place of Zion that just comes through us and does something incredible in somebody else's life. 
Just a few weeks back, Sheldon and I found ourselves in a week, which was horrible. We just found out that somebody we love had had some, a terrible bill of health given. Um, we, we discovered that our own Sam had uh, suspected diabetes, and I got some x-rays back that required further testing, and I needed to go into hospital, and it was a scary space, and you know, I'm the first one to get up and pray for somebody. I have faith to pray for you, for your health and your healing and all of these things, but I found myself just buckled at the knees. I was like, I just can't pray for myself. And in that moment, I needed to get some people around me to pray because I didn't have the faith or capacity myself to actually say these prayers. And um, so a couple of, of our close friends got around us and prayed. And um, we saw miracles in all of those areas and um, clean bills of health. And um, so as much as God wants us to pray for ourselves, yo, he wants us to pray for each other. And we don't get to pray for each other unless we're in community and we're being vulnerable and we're sharing with one another what our prayer needs are. Just this week, um, a guy in our congregation called me and said, I need help. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm having a struggle in myself, in my marriage, and I need help. And you know that because we were able to open that up and talk and the prayer needs were made known, immediately there was a weight that was lifted. We need to share what our needs and prayer are with one another. More than that, God wants us to partner with him in praying for what's going on around us. You know, please would you come on Wednesday at 6.30 in the morning. If we stand together as a community of faith and pray for incredible things to happen over these elections, I know that we will stand back and go, but God did this phenomenal thing on the 8th of May. But God did this. But do you remember when we prayed that? We saw God do that. I know that we can have that happen. I know that there are churches all around the nation doing this. And I want us to be counted in the number of people who ward to see something different than what the world is telling us our outcome should be. Some of you drive around, go about your lives, and you see something that makes you angry, or you see something that makes you sad, or you know you have that thing that you find yourself looking up all the time and Googling and finding all the stories and all the people who follow those kind of things. Some of you might be obsessed with what's going on in Syria. Some of you might be obsessed with what's going on with, um, with uh, sex trade, and, and, and some of you have a broken heart for, for people in, in the sex trade. Some of you have got an absolutely broken heart for orphans. But I know that there is something wired in all of us that is a wrestle with some element of social justice or some societal ill that God has wired us with a very specific gifting in. And he wants us to start partnering in prayer with him for that. He wants us to pray for ourselves. He wants us to pray for people in our community. And he wants us to pray for those things that he's placed a passion in our hearts for. And sometimes in that space of prayer, when you're saying, God, lead me in prayer for this, he's also going to ask you to be more than just a voice. He wants you to be hands and feet. So you need to ask God, that thing that you've made such a deep cry in my heart, what do you want me to do with it? And trust him to strengthen you. I don't think we can um, finish off today on prayer without looking at how Jesus taught us to pray. And um, it's going to come up behind me, but I think all of us are taught this at school. Let's pray together. So from Matthew 6, it said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. I'm going to read that again. This is the very prayer that Jesus asked us to pray, but I'm going to read it with the but God flip side to it, how this would look after the but God's. But God, our Father, is in heaven, who is in heaven is holy. But God has invaded earth with heaven. But God has given us our daily needs and physical and spiritual needs. But God has forgiven us and empowered us and freed us to forgive others. But God has strengthened us against our temptation, and we are victorious against the enemy. Why do we pray? And if God knows what we need before we even pray, why on earth do we do it? I'd like to to answer that question with this quote. Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. We pray because when we're in his presence, he, he changes us. When we're in his presence, we're reminded that self-sufficiency is only going to exhaust us. When we're in his presence, we get to hear what he wants to happen around us and very often looks very different to what we thought the best outcome was. We pray because it changes us. We pray because it helps give us wisdom and strength and guidance. The creator of the universe wants to partner with us in our day-to-day life, and that is why we pray. Won't you please stand? And we're going to pray together, and I'm going to ask some of you to respond in certain ways as we pray, just quietly as you stand there. And today I'm going to challenge you, because I do truly believe that this community will be a community who are known to be crazy in our faith, that we make decisions that the world looks at and go, how on earth could they do such a nuts thing? Because we aren't looking at the, the checks and balances and the usual things that the world would have us look at. We're in that place of prayer. We're hearing from the one who loves us more than anybody else. And he is giving us strength. He's giving us assignments. He's giving us words for one another. He's giving us a way that we could never devise on our own. I believe today that he wants to challenge each of us to take a step into faith. And that starts by some of you saying a bold prayer right where you stand, and some of you coming up afterwards and allowing us to pray for you, to allow us to pray for you to have a greater hunger because you need an appetite to spend time with God. You need an appetite to enjoy Him and hunger for Him and want to spend time hearing His opinion. Some of you need to come forward and say, I need faith, I need greater faith. I need you to pray for my family. I need you to pray for my situation. I need you to pray for this passion that God has placed in my heart to correct something that I see that is wrong in this world. Please come forward for today for prayer. But for those of you who aren't going to do that, you still have an opportunity to pray a bold prayer right where you are. So won't you please stand? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this gift of prayer. We thank you for the gift of faith. We thank you, Father, that when we have chosen your Son, when we have accepted Jesus, that we are righteous, and that if we pray earnestly, God, that our prayers will have great power and produce wonderful results. God, I ask for each and every person in this room today that by your Spirit and power, you would increase our appetite for prayer. God, that you would wake us early in the morning and that all we would want to do is to hear from you, our Father and our King.
that God, you would instruct us how to live radically different lives, that you would have us ask the hard questions, the questions of what are we doing just because we think we have no other choice, and God, what do you have for us that is better, that would make us cry out to you for more, God, that would make us need you more, that would make us need your strength and not our own, God. I pray for you, God, to just deposit this appetite in these people today, God. If you have that appetite, would you please just stick your hand up? Thank you, God. Father, just grow that hunger. Grow that hunger, God. We know that as that hunger grows and as there's earnest seeking out of you, God, that you will come with power and that we will see fruit in those lives, God, and in all that they do around them. Yesterday, um, this man who was just staying in a prayerful attitude, this man who spoke to us, spoke about the difference that prayer makes being that you can row your boat or you can allow God's wind to blow your sails. And if you're rowing, you get tired, you run out of energy, you run out of steam because it's all your own effort. And God longs to just be the wind in your sails and to push you along with his effort. And that is what you can have when you find time, you carve time aside to connect with your God who loves you. When you enjoy him, when you cultivate a relationship, not just because of what you need, but because of what you love him, but he will put that wind in your sails. So Father, we thank you, we love you. We pray that this would be a community that celebrates but God moments every week, God, that we would come here running through the door so excited to say, this week, this happened, but God. We saw his power, we saw his fruits in our lives. God, we want to be that community. We love you and we thank you for your incredible love for us. God, would you please quicken the spirits of the people who need to come forward for prayer today. Don't let them walk out this door without coming for prayer. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Kimber, Before come. we end, um, I just, I really felt that it's an opportunity for us to activate today what has been released by Nats. Um, I tell my children at school that the power of God lives in us. So as we stretch out our hands and as we have faith for what we ask for, the power of God is released. It's an, it's an activation. And today I just want to honor Nats. Um, she plays a lot of stuff down. Uh, this family has been through a hectic time. Um, the enemy has been relentless over their family. And um, I want to say the but God. Um, what Nats is saying about her health um, was really scary. And the enemy's a liar. And we know that the enemy's a liar. So I want to testify today that scans came, scans were taken, and there was this big fear. And then she went back, and the, the x-rays came back clear. Tomorrow, she goes back for another x-ray, because the doctor can't really understand how. Could we activate our faith right now that we pray over her and we just declare that whatever the enemies come against her with, <laughs> that it would be null and void, but an increase of anointing into this next season because um, I really believe when the enemy comes at us, it's because God's marked us for such a time as right now. So can you stretch out your hands, activate your faith right now? 
God, I thank you for this incredible woman, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you've called her for such a time as this. God, you've positioned her, you have anointed her, you have gifted her to lead this community, God, not just in um, just basic faith, but God, in radical, radical faith. And where the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, where the enemy has come to bring... um, to to bring fear and uh, to cause her to lose hope, God. I thank you, God, that you have positioned her and positioned people around her, a community around her that would declare faith and hope to rise. So right now, we just declare where the enemy has come to rob her of hope, we ask God for a boldness in faith and activation, God, in the next season. Where the enemy has come against her and and robbed them as a family of just um, peace and uh, provision, God, we ask that heaven's gates would open up right now, God. God, I just thank you that you're going to take this woman into a new season of authority, anointing, and power, God. I thank you, God, that as we stand around her as a community, that we would step into this very anointing because of, of what she sacrificed to be here, what they have sacrificed to be here, God. I just thank you, God, that we would be a bold church, a church that is recognized for our faith in you, God. God, faith to move mountains. We're living in an age that is so exciting. And God, we do not want to play it safe. We do not want to play it safe. So the words that you have spoken over this community today, God, may they go out in radical, great authority. Let it change us. May we never, ever be the same. May we never do small things, Jesus, in your precious son's name. And God, right now, we just declare that those x-rays will come back completely and utterly clear tomorrow. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Sneaky Kimber. <laughs> Sneaky. Um, yeah, I really do want to say, those of you who your heart was pounding uncomfortably just now, come over here. Let some of us pray for you. Go and have a bacon roll. If not, and today, just know what's happened in your hearts. I believe big things have happened in your hearts, and there's a new hunger and a new season for many of you. Thanks, guys.